It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now, here's today's special guest, Dan McConaughey. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessing of this day. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless us with an understanding of you because of your name that we haven't had before. So, Lord, we entrust this time to you. We ask for your favor. We ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding and give us ears to hear. Lord, I pray for a blessing on my speaking and a blessing on these students' hearing. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is part of the series on the names of God that comes ever so often. I think it's on Thursdays and Saturdays. And so here I am, and as you can see, the uh, name is not on the screen, so what I'll do is I'll tell you what it is. It's the name Yahweh, okay? Yahweh has such a unique history. Does anybody remember when the name Yahweh was revealed and to whom it was revealed? It was revealed to Moses. At a burning bush, so that was after the Egyptian period of time that the people were in Egypt, the 430 years that they were in Egypt. Who knows when the first time is that it occurs in Scripture? Genesis 2, verse 4. You say, okay, if it was revealed in Exodus 3, verse 14, how could it be used? And in fact, in fact, there's a really interesting verse in Genesis 4, verse 6, verse 26, that says, and in those days, men began to call on the name of Yahweh. In those days, men began to call on the name of Yahweh. So things are confusing sometimes because it hadn't even been revealed yet. So what we want to do is we want to take a look at some things. I'll tell you where I stand on that. I, I don't know. But I have this confidence that God who not only inspired men to write Scripture accurately, he also preserved Scripture accurately. And if he inspired it and preserved it, then it must be true. So I don't necessarily need to understand it, but I do believe it. Because it was inspired by God, preserved by God, And hopefully, I'll be able to give some illumination on it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, when we look at the Old Testament there, and that's in, uh, again, in Exodus, let me read a bit of it. This is after 
Moses has encountered the burning bush. He's already taken his shoes off. He's visiting there with God. And he said, and God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them. That doesn't speak comfortably of the Egyptians when God comes down to address an issue. I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And now, behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, he asked his first question, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he, God, said, certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. And Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of thy fathers has sent me to you. Now they will say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So Moses had two questions. Who am I? And who are you? And God said, I am. In answer to both of his questions. He didn't say, well, Moses, in answer to your second questions, your second question, I am. And in answer to your first question, no. Moses answered, asked two questions. Who am I? And who are you? And God said, I am. Now, a couple of the things about, well, let's read a little, just a little bit further on that. Let's go down to um, verse 15. It says, And God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. And then he says, This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Well, a memorial name is interesting. When you look at the word memorial, the word that's translated memorial there, it means a, either to remember or it means a remembrance. I'll, I'll read a little bit about what it means. It means a memorial, a remembrance, a record, a reminder it conveys the essential quality of remembering something in the past that has a particular significance. It could be a stone monument, a sacrifice calling for explicit retrospection, 
a memorable quote. God says, this is my name. This is my memorial name. Yahweh is the name that you will remember me by. And so the word there is both you must remember it and I, and it is the thing that is the memorial of me. So here we have God saying, this is the way you're going to remember my name. This is the way you're going to remember me. This is what you're going to do. And the interesting thing is, is that later on, during the 70 years in Babylon, that they actually forgot the name. They actually forgot the name. But let's think about the name a little bit. He says, I am. That's the verb in, in one portion of the morphology in Hebrew. That's the verb to be. And I'll just share a little bit with you now. It also, in another portion of the morphology, means to cause or create. In other words, to cause to be. Okay? <clears throat> and we say, so this is his name, right? Well, in Psalm 68, it says, Sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song for him who rides through the deserts, whose name is Yahweh. Another one, I am Yahweh, that is my name. That's in Isaiah 42. So, we see, first of all, that he just makes a statement, I am. What voice, well, let's see, what, uh, I forget what we call it. It's first person singular. Now, when we, when we say something first person singular, how many others are there involved? None. God is saying, with reference to his position, that he is the one. I am. He doesn't say we are. He doesn't say I am one of many. He says I am. He just says I am. You may have heard Eric um, use the word aye, esher, aye. That means I am who or that I am. And so we say, well, that's the name of God. And we point to Yahweh or Jehovah or however we happen to transliterate it and say, yeah, that's, that's not the name, though. Did you know that 6,827 times Yahweh doesn't say, I am? It's a different word. Yah is not aye. Do you understand what I'm saying? And why does it say if it was aye, asher, aye, I am that I am, why is it Yahweh? That's confusing. Well, concerning our relationship to God, Yah means he is. Now it's a uh, form of the verb that is 
what they call either the, the passive or the static form. And it means, the word static is a really unique word. It means to apply force while remaining motionless. That's what static means. If we have static pressure, it's applying force while remaining motionless. And so the first yaw, the first syllable is yaw, and it means he is. It's our response to him. When it was him speaking, he said, I am. And our response is, he is. The he is there is static. It means he doesn't change. He's at rest. He is not moving around. He's not anxious. He's not worrying. He is. It means that he is static. Any force that he applies is applied from a position of rest. But the way is a different word. And it, it's a different part of the morphology. The, the first one is what they call kal, Q-A-L. The second one is hiphil, H-I-P-H-I-L. And it means, remember I said that I am can also mean not just to be, but to be creating or causing. So the second word there, way, means he is actively causing or creating. So on the one hand, he says, it says, he is static, he's the rock, he's solid, he's immovable, he's stationary, he's any force that he applies is from a position of unchanging rest. But at the same time, it says he is actively causing or creating. And it's an interesting form of the verb because it demands a postcedent. You know what an antecedent is? Something that comes before. Postcedent is something that, something that comes after. So when we have the names of God, when we think of them, for example, Yahweh Rapha. He is and he is actively healing. He's actively causing health. He's actively causing restoration. It demands and expects there to be a word following. Um, there's a real interesting way of looking at Psalm 23. Remember, Psalm 23 says, Yahweh shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is my shepherd in Hebrew. In Hebrew it says Yahweh Ra. The Lord is my shepherd. So if we look at the next phrase, I shall not want. We have a song called Jehovah Jireh that says the Lord my provider. He leads me through still waters. Peace, Yahweh Shalom, our peace. He restores my soul. 
Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. He leads me in paths of righteousness, Yahweh Sidkenu, Yahweh our righteousness. You are with me, Yahweh Shema, the God who is there. In the presence of mine enemies, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord our banner. He anoints my head with oil, the Lord who sanctifies, Yahweh Kadesh. So we see that right there, just in the 23rd Psalm, David addresses all these active characteristics of God while establishing that that activity is the resting place of God. That's where he stays. He, his resting place is to, is to be doing, creating, active, causing like that. So some of the, the situations that we find him in, he's the self-existent one, um, just by virtue of the saying, I am. He doesn't say, I came into being, I began, I started. We know that in the beginning, he was. That was past tense. So in the present, present tense, I am is completely legitimate. And Yah, he is, is completely legitimate. What was Peter's confession when Jesus said to him, who do you say that I am? What did Peter say? You are. That's correct. You are. And so when you begin to look at the situation there, we find that depending on who's doing the speaking and the type of relationship we have with this God, it's either God saying, I am, us observing saying, he is, or in relationship with him, you are. So he is the self-existent one. In Psalm 20, remember I said that he said that, that God said that this was his memorial name? In Psalm 20, verse 6, it says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember, and that's the verb form of the word that God said is my memorial name. It's the act of remembering the memorial, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God, of the Lord Yahweh our God. Jehovah, Yahweh, our guide. Yahweh will continually guide you. It says that in... Uh, Isaiah 58, 11. We have Yahweh, the self-existent God. We have Yahweh, the personal holy God. I am Yahweh, your God. That's what he calls himself. He doesn't say, yeah, yeah I'm just, I'm God. He's not a, God is not a deist. <laughs> God recognizes himself as a personal God with the intent of being in relationship with his people. 
He says, I am your God. What does he want us to say? You are my God. You are my God. He's the righteous one. He's the unchangeable one. He's our portion. There's an interesting one that I seldom hear. It's Yahweh Ezer. He's our helper. He's our helper. It's interesting that in Psalm 119, it points out that Yahweh is our best thought at night. He says, I will remember your name in the night hours. I will remember your name. A memorial name. It's the point, if God, if Yahweh is I am this static one who has ever lived and performs everything that he does from this place of rest without ever moving. He's not moved. He doesn't leave ever so often and come back. That's what, remember, um, Elijah pointed out to the prophets of Baal that maybe their God had left. The reason he was able to say that is because he knew his God never left. His God's always there. I am. And so, our best thought at night, he's always there. You don't have to check under the bed to see if he's there. You don't have to check the closet. You don't have to worry about it. He is. He is. He's not just the God of the sea or the God of the river or the God of the mountains or a God. When he came down and said, I am, he established a position not held by any, anything else. There is nothing at all there. And it's not just that he is the God of but he actually has a personal name. And we can actually conjugate that name depending on our relation with him. For God, his name is I am. For us, his name is he is. And when we know him, and when we're in relation with him, his name is you are. You are. He is actively showing himself at rest and restfully showing himself in action. In Psalm 103, it talks about knowing the ways of God and knowing the acts of God. Well, the way of God is that he is static and the acts of God proceed from that. We learn a few attributes of God from this. We know that he is self-existent. We know that he is self-active. And we know that he is self-causing. And it's all intrinsic to his nature and character. He doesn't have to change to be fully active and fully at rest. He doesn't have to change. 
He's always fully resting and fully active. And we can look at man's characteristics. For example, God is finite, is infinite, man is finite. God is eternal, man is temporary. God is all-knowing, man is little-knowing. God is self-existent, man is entirely dependent. God is active. What would man be? (laughs) Inept? (laughs) Unable? God is at rest. What's man? What, What human beings, apart from those who are at rest in God, are at rest? They are actively, and if God is actively creating, what is it that man is actively creating, is actively doing? Destroying. A couple of the pretty, pretty fun things about it is that if you look at the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament that was done about 200 to 300 years before Jesus came. Sept means 70. So it was done by 70 scholars over a period of hundreds of years that the word Yahweh, I am, or he is, is in, the, when it's translated into Greek, is ego, the he is is esti and so when we go and look at Jesus we find out that he ten times calls himself ego aimi ten times he calls himself I am and that's why it was significant for Peter to say to Jesus, you are. In John 4.26, he says, I who speak to you, ego I me. The I and the am. I who speak to you am. John 6.20, he said to them, I am. Do not be afraid. Isn't that cool? In your translation, it probably says, and he said to them, it is I. But it's actually the term, ego, I, Amy, am, I am. John eight twenty four. Unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. Verse 58, truly, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. John 9, 9, man born blind kept saying, I am the one. Uh, he, this is what the man born blind said, he kept saying, I am the one, talking about Jesus. John 13, 19. From now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, 
you may believe that I am. You remember the memorial name? I'm telling you now so that you will remember it so when it comes to pass, you will know that I am. The memorial name that he gave. John 18, 5, they answered him, Jesus the Nazarene, he said to them, I am. Remember in the garden, they, they came to him and said, and he said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. And he said, I am. Just the speaking of his name set him back some, a bit. John 18, 6. When therefore he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Do you remember the consequence that happened to Egypt? What was the consequence that happened to Egypt? When Jesus, when God said, I have heard the cries of my people. I observe their oppression. I understand that the Egyptians have, have held them in bondage, have treated them despicably, and they are crying out to me, so I have come down to deliver. And what happened? What condition would the most powerful country most powerful nation in the world in that day be in if in one short little period of time, just a fraction of time, their entire military was drowned in the Red Sea. All of a sudden, they would be the wealthiest nation on earth with no protection. What do you think would happen to them? What do you think would happen? So when Jesus says, I am, they didn't have much, much left on it. That's why we say, that's why Jesus said, I give myself to death. They do not take my life. John 18, 8. He said, I told you that I am. If you seek me, let these go. So the idea that, that goes along with all of this is that we have that name and we've been instructed for all generations to know him as the self-existent, at rest, active God who causes and creates eternally. I am that I am. I, though, suggest that you know him more as you are than as he is. He is, that's, that's good. That was all Old Testament, that's when they couldn't know him the way we know him. We have intimate face-to-face -face in Christ, Christ in us. We know him for who he is. And we can say to him, 
Yes, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. My Lord and my God. That's what Thomas said. He didn't say when Jesus presented his hands to Thomas and his side. Thomas didn't say, he is. He says, you are my Lord and my God. So let's pursue that. Let's take God at his word that he is and he is actively causing and creating and that you can know him not just as he is, but you can know him as you are. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, is what Peter said. It says, every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord. But there comes a time where, prior to that, we can know him. That's this day, like in, Pro- in Hebrews when it says, today is the day of salvation. While it is still called today, and then it talks about the people. It says they died in faith. We think, oh, that's a shame. No, it isn't. It means that they went all the way. They didn't quit early. That's what that means. It doesn't mean, oh, those poor guys, they all died in faith. No. That was a statement of blessing. That Whoa, look at those guys. They went all the way to the end. They didn't quit early. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are our God. That there is no other. And I pray that we would remember, that we would make that name, that name, I am, he is, you are, that would be the memorial stone of our life. That whether we look forward or look back, that would be the stationary rock that does everything, that actively causes, provides, and creates our relationship with you. Lord, we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellersley campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.